the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, October 24th, 2022. Hope you had a great weekend. It was great seeing so many of you at our Battleground Talkers Tour. Thanks again to our sponsors uh, from uh, Midas Gold to the... um, the Midas Gold Group uh, to several of the others. Uh, you guys, it was just a wonderful event. It was so good seeing so many of you and hearing from uh, so many, Rachel Mitchell and Brandon and Charlie and Mike Gallagher, of course. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you ever get a phrase stuck in your head, perhaps like some kind of lyrical or musical earworm? Over the weekend, the phrase stuck in my head was nefarious times we live in nefarious times we live in it's the title of an old short story believe it or not by woody allen and it's completely unrelated to anything serious but the phrase has been to borrow from f scott fitzgerald turning over and over in my head a great deal lately nefarious means wicked or evil we tend to use it to mean wrong or bad but it's several degrees stronger than that a few thoughts had me focusing on this First, last week, flying around the Internet Friday, was an interview President Joe Biden did with Jonathan Capehart of MSNBC. This is where Biden said it was his intention to run for reelection in 2024. Mr. Capehart then asked Biden if Dr. Jill Biden was on board. And many of you may have seen this, but it's at that moment where Joe Biden takes kind of a long pause as has been reported and described, and then says something a bit incongruous, quote, my wife thinks that we're doing something very important and that I shouldn't walk away from it, close quote. But if you watch the clip and turn up the volume, the more interesting thing that didn't get any attention is in that short lapse of Biden's when he takes the pause to answer and seemingly goes blank for a moment, Capehart bursts out something like whoops or oops. If you watch the video, you'll see it. It's almost as if Capehart is reacting kind of like for help, as if something had gone wrong, like something you'd erupt if you saw your friend trip and you tried to catch him or if your friend started to choke eerily enough, as if this wasn't the first time this has happened, as if the press that interviews Biden expects this to happen from time to time, as if to say, hey, something's wrong or it's happening or it happened again. This was all followed a couple days later by Joe Biden saying Congress voted on his college bailout, which it didn't. It was done as an executive order, which was, shall we say, all Joe Biden or all Joe Biden that exists. There's so little commentary on the Capehart slip, but it's there as if normal or expected or something the media is used to. Biden losing track, nodding off, losing focus. And it took me back to the interview, the Pennsylvania Senate candidate John Fetterman, the week before, when another NBC reporter pointed out to the public 
for the first time what no reporter had before disclosed, that in interviews, Fetterman needs lots of help from the press and cover from the media that interviews him to help him process question and deliver his answers. Dasha Burns, that journalist at NBC, received the ire of her profession for breaking the code, so to speak, for disclosing this. Fetterman's wife called her ableist, as if racist towards handicapped. What we learned was the media was covering for Fetterman until Dasha Burns pointed out what they'd all been doing up until then, saying essentially, things are not okay here. And her profession slammed her, not him, not the media for covering for or covering up for him, but it slammed her. Turns out the media has been covering up for political leaders a long time, if the leader is a Democrat. And dare a media professional say something along those lines, she's sent to Coventry, ostracized. We've seen other actions along these lines. I was listening to Tody Bobolinsky on the Adam Carolla show this past week, and I urge you all to do so. If you think you understand the mafia-like quietus put on the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020, trust me, you don't know the half of it. That Bobolinsky interview with Carolla is one for the ages. If you can access it, I'm telling you, it's something else. CNN simply will not interview Bobolinsky. They heralded and will herald the 51 former intelligence officials to claim the laptop story about Hunter was Russian disinformation. They won't apologize or retract it, especially since so many of them work for CNN as paid contributors. But neither will they give Bobolinsky any airtime at all. They disappeared him. And Adam Schiff, by the way, he had a role in all of this, too. Again, if you can listen to that Corolla interview with Bobolinsky, I recommend it. So the media covers for Democrats all the time. And while I'm not saying anything you haven't concluded a long time ago, it all hit me how much putting these three stories together unites my thought. Covering for Democrats is, of course, one thing. Altering an election is something totally different. And it's demonstrable, the censoring of the laptop story, along with justifying the censorship due to it being disinformation, along with the gloss of respectability from the conclusion of 51 intelligence officials. It changed. It's demonstrable that it changed the 2020 election. We're in new virgin territory here. Time was, particularly when it was the intelligence community saying something, that's when the press was the most skeptical. That's when they would roll up their sleeves. It was always national or classified intelligence the press was most probing of and most resolute in checking and double-checking and hounding, especially after the 1970s when so much had come out about the abuse of covering up stories based on the justification that a national security secret was involved. The ethos was summed up perfectly by the journalism professor and scholar Saul Lando when he said, Whenever you hear the words national security, you need to know a lie is being told or a damaging fact to the government is being covered up. That's the way the press used to feel about people invoking the phrase national security or intelligence officials state. Well, maybe once it was true that journalists knew that the government was covering something up. Maybe once if the phrase was used by a Republican. 
Item four that puts the nefarious times we live in earworm in my head. I was watching a PBS documentary that came out last year on Joe McCarthy. I was watching it over the weekend. In 90 minutes, two things in this documentary on Joe McCarthy were revealed. One, the media kind of did its job exposing the recklessness of Joe McCarthy back in the 50s, particularly led by CBS's Edward R. Murrow. Murrow. I'll return to that in a moment. But in my ongoing quest to show you how the media propagandizes, if you were to show a high school or college student this production by PBS and the student knew little to nothing about Joe McCarthy before seeing that documentary, the student would walk away thinking who or he or she was pretty informed. It's a you know well put together, long documentary on Joe McCarthy. And yet, in that 90 minutes... There was not a single mention of, not a single quote about or from, and not a single picture of Robert Kennedy. Why would there be, you may ask? Well, he was Joe McCarthy's legal counsel in going after the communists. He, prior to Roy Cohen taking over, was McCarthy's right-hand man. And it wasn't just a casual relationship between, uh, between Bobby Kennedy and Joe McCarthy. Bobby Kennedy and his wife, Ethel, had Joe McCarthy as the godfather of their daughter, Kathleen. They were very close. But you would know none of that from the PBS documentary. All the better to sanitize the history of, the culpability of, the Democratic Party and its royalty in this country. What does Dennis Prager say? Most media bias is in what they don't report. But that's a pretty big exclusion, the Kennedys, don't you think? But then the insult to injury is the crescendo the documentary all leads to, which is Edward Murrow's heroism for speaking truth to power and disclosing all the recklessness and lies of Joe McCarthy. So we are watching a documentary about telling truth to power, making a hero of the media man, the journalist, who exposes the lies, as they lie and engage in cover-up throughout the very documentary about how important the truth is and how reckless disregard for fact is. Edward Murrow is and was celebrated for exposing McCarthy, and in his most famous broadcast, perhaps the most famous news broadcast in journalism history until the Kennedy assassination, Murrow said of McCarthy's anti-communism committee this, quote, No one familiar with the history of this country can deny that congressional committees are useful. It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. And the junior senator from Wisconsin has stepped over it repeatedly. His primary achievement has been in confusing the public mind. We must ourselves not confuse dissent with disloyalty. Close quote. Powerful words, those. Now think about the January 6th committee. And now that you are, let me give you the rest of what Edward Murrow said, the words that made him a national hero, even the subject of an award-winning movie directed by George Clooney. And remember, this, this, this fine line between investigating and persecuting as you think about the January 6th committee. Here's, here's Edward Armuro's conclusion. <clears throat> we must remember always that accusation is not proof and that conviction depends upon evidence and due process of law. We will not walk in fear one of another. We will not be driven by fear into an age of unreason if we dig deep in our history and our doctrine and remember that we are not descended from fearful men, not from men who feared to write, to speak, 
to associate and to defend causes that were, for the moment, unpopular. This is no time for men who oppose Senator McCarthy's methods to keep silent, or for those who approve. We can deny our heritage and our history, but we cannot escape responsibility for the result. There is no way for a citizen of a republic to abdicate his responsibilities. As a nation, we have come into our full inheritance at a tender age. We proclaim ourselves, as indeed we are, the defenders of freedom, wherever it continues to exist in the world, but we cannot defend freedom abroad by deserting it at home, close quote. The ire that animated Murrow, remember what Murrow was so upset about. A committee that selectively chose witnesses for a priori ideological outcomes and conclusions, a committee that was not bipartisan, the concealment of exculpatory evidence, the invention and fabrication of facts by key witnesses who were willing to play along, and the moral indignation the leaders of the committee all summoned as if the small bits of information they tailored and trimmed for the public were evidence of a massive scandal. Yes, you could say all of that of McCarthy's hearings in the 1950s. But where is Edward R. Morrow or CBS with the same exact things you could say these exact same things about with regard to the January 6th committee? Where is CBS and all the rest now on anything this is done to when the target is not invented communists but invented fascists? Where are the standing ovations for these reporters at Sardis in New York now, well, nobody at CBS or the rest of the industry or at Sardis gives a damn because, as Peggy Noonan put it last Friday, quote, mainstream journalism has changed. Journalists felt they had a different job than they used to to oppose Republicans. But that very opposition left them not reporting, but becoming what only some of them wanted to be openly activist and of the left. And this, too, has contributed to our polarization. People who more or less used to trust them to throw the ball straight no longer do. And they find other news sources, some of which are specious, close quote. In the famous Pentagon Papers case, Hugo Black, Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black, wrote this, quote, The press was to serve the governed, not the governors. The government's power to censor the press was abolished so that the press would remain forever free to censure the government. The press was protected so that it could bear the secrets of government and inform the people. Only a free and unrestrained press can effectively expose deception in government. And paramount among the responsibilities of a free press is the duty to prevent any part of the government from deceiving the people. Close quote. I truly believe Hugo Black meant that about Republicans as well as Democrats. Today's media does not. So when we think about what the media routinely complains about, a war against it or our general polarized society, I can do no better than to quote the ending of that famous Edward Murrow broadcast. He said, quote, whose fault is this? Not really McCarthy's. He didn't create this situation of fear. He merely exploited it and rather successfully. Cassius was right. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves. Close quote. Whose fault is this? 
not really Republicans or Donald Trump's. The media needs to take a deep look at themselves and realize what Shakespeare wrote. The fault is not in the stars of the Republican Party or conservatism, but in yourselves. Nefarious times we live in. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, uh, 602-508-0960. I'd love to take your temperature and hear from you all about uh, what you're expecting to happen on November 8th uh, as far as results, or whenever we get them. I don't know that we'll have all our results on November 8th. I don't think we'll have all our results on November 9th. We might. But what do you expect? And I have to tell you, I'm putting a few things together a couple weeks out, um, mostly by by the help of the media, frankly. Uh, I see over at uh, MSNBC they uh, they did a um, they did a, a a a town hall on the January sixth uh, committee, and in Pittsburgh, MSNBC didn't get the answers they wanted. From, from the, uh, from the, from their, from their selected, their selected uh, men of the people, men and women of the people, their their selected focus group. I see on Face the Nation over at CBS, they did the same thing in um, in Texas with uh, education and wokeism, and they didn't get the responses they would want at CBS either. The independents and the Democrats are sounding like Republicans in these focus groups. And it's beginning to make me think that um, that it's going to be a lot bigger of an election victory for Republicans than um, the polls are indicating. I've been thinking it's going to be close, and I'm beginning to think it may not be close. This may not be just a referendum on Joe Biden and the economy. I believe if it's a close election result, it will be as a result of being a referendum on Joe Biden and the economy. But I believe if it's a much bigger result, you know, if we take, I don't know, 54 seats in the Senate or more, if we take a lot more seats in the House than um, than, than tradition shows, that this may be a referendum on leftism. This may be a referendum... On they may not call it that. I'll call it that socialism. I wonder what you you y'all are thinking. I, I'd love to know. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, and it is thirty four past the hour, so that means we get to hear from my good friend John Dombrowski Jr. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. He gives us our culture and economy update. He's also the host of his own radio show every Saturday morning here at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. John, I hope you had a great weekend. I did. I did. Thank you so much. How about you? I did. I want to. I, I wanted to run a few things by you. I mean, now yep. we just can't escape uh, every almost every story having having a political turn to it or a political take on it. I'm getting probably a lot of the questions you're getting more of because of your business, right. uh, which is, do we have any 
notion of what stock markets look like if Republicans win versus if Democrats, you know, stay or levels at which the victories Mm -hmm. may go one way or the other. Do we do we have? Yeah. Yeah. What's your sense of that? And I think we talked a little bit about how things happened after midterms. Yeah. um, You know, it's interesting because we would think that right now, if Republicans can get in and can take over the House and the Senate, both, that means that they would pretty much be able to stop uh, some of the, you know, potential legislation that that would be pushed through mm-hmm. uh, some of the big things maybe that they would be able to stop would be, uh, you know, the hiring of the IRS agents. Sure. That would be one area that uh, probably, you know, Republicans and Democrats don't agree on. Yep. Uh, also, some additional legislation when it comes to uh, some of the corporations out there. Uh, they want to put more regulatory, uh, you know, restrictions on corporate corporations, and the Republicans want to allow businesses to to grow and and without uh, more restrictions. Uh, so those could be things that could be positive for corporations, and in turn, ultimately, be more positive for um, for uh, profits for yes. those companies, which in turn again could be growth. better for the stock yeah. market. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think that overall, uh, if indeed we did see a, a change in the House and Senate, I think that would be a positive. Uh, for the market. However, there are some other challenges out there the market's faced with, of course, the inflationary pressures, the mm-hmm. interest rate environment, and, and a variety of other you know, issues. But that would be one less uh, potential you know, negative for the markets. Uh, John, yeah. And, and, and it's interesting to me when I think about the Bill Clinton presidency. I'm mm-hmm. working off memory here. Your, your memory is probably better than mine on this. But, but my memory is that uh, Bill Clinton came into office. He raised taxes to the point of later admitting he raised them too high. But when the Republicans came in and took over the House and Senate, the 94 Gingrich Revolution, they forced a lot of interesting economic stuff with capital gains adjustments and cuts and, and, and that sort of thing. And the economy really did boom yeah. by the end there. Um and and it seems to me until until it didn't <laughs> yeah. uh, with the tech problem, but but the tech bubble, but but it does seem to me that the House and Senate can have an effect on the economy, even even if they don't have the same party in the presidency. Yeah, I agree. There's no question about it. And you know there could be some uh, pressure applied to to the president yeah. by by um, you know a Republican House and Senate yeah. um, to negotiate some things that they want to to hopefully improve. Um, you know, the economy, which ultimately can help stocks. Uh, so I agree with you. There's no question about it. I think that it could be a it could be a positive. Now, I don't of course, we don't have any guarantee that that's going to be the, the you know, the effect. But I believe it would be better yeah. than the current uh, scenario that we have now. Yes. I mean, I, I guess I'm really going out on a limb. <laughs> no, it's OK. It's OK. <laughs> hey, uh, be a teacher for us for a few moments, if you don't mind, too, John, on this story. Stock futures are flat mm-hmm. as investors await big tech earnings. Yeah. What, what does that headline spell to, to the layman? So tomorrow uh, we have a couple of big uh, – actually this week we've got all the big ones. You've got Microsoft, Apple, and then you've got uh, Amazon and uh, Google mm-hmm. that are all reporting this week. Those are the big, big billion, you know, trillion-dollar companies out there, right? So these are companies that definitely uh, will give us an indication as to how things are going for them, which in turn probably trickles down to smaller companies. Uh, so when the futures, when they say that they're flat, basically they're not giving really much of an indication one way or another that there are a lot of buys or a lot of sells at the open tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So the uh, they call it the stock futures, uh, what, what they're predicting is going to happen at the open tomorrow. Now, all of that can change on a quick 
sure. you know, piece of information overnight. Yep. Uh, you know, we've seen this happen before. The markets were forecasting a very big open, and then all of a sudden we saw interest rates spike, and then all of that is gone. And when the market opens, it opens negative. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think investors are going to kind of sit back. They're going to want to see what these big tech companies are going to be forecasting. Not only what they're going to be reporting as their their third quarter earnings, but what are they forecasting for the fourth quarter and into next year? And that will give a little bit of an indication, possibly, as to you know what they believe they should be investing in over the next three, six months, a year, two years. So it's going to be an important week this week, and you're going to see some more volatility in the market. Not that we're uh, you know haven't seen much of that lately. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go through more of it tomorrow, yeah. John Dombrowski. You're the best. Thank you, you, sir. Check out our website. You can schedule an appointment at GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thanks, thanks Seth. You got it. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-5080-960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you are concerned about stock market volatility, and um, especially with Joe Biden in office, as I was just talking about with John, but could invest in a portfolio, portfolio with a strong fixed rate of return and no tie to the stock market, I'd like you to uh, imagine that this can actually be done, why Refi is doing it. They have a remarkable investment opportunity in a secure and collateralized portfolio with an up to 10.25% return for investors. The investment can be an IRA, it can be a joint investment, it can be an individual investment, it can be a trust. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm made up of really great guys. I know them well, and they do really well by doing good for others, and you can be a part of it too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 855 855- Three one six three zero eight seven eight five five three one six three zero eight seven. Never a sales pitch. Rob, how are you, sir? I'm fine, sir, and I hope you had a wonderful weekend. You know, I, you I did, and when I I, I got to tell you something about. I don't know if this works out for other people, Rob. Uh, people get into your um, associational thoughts, uh, whether deliberately or not. So I'm running um, every. Uh, when I go running every other morning or when I'm walking my dog, which is every day, and I see a Rottweiler, it just makes me think of you. Well, and it should make you smile. The uh, the Rotten Roddy Rescue, which is down in either Mesa or Gilbert, they did a, uh, a Halloween walk um, that they did a video on uh, with a ton of Roddy families and Roddies walking down the street, and I think it was Mesa. And it looked so cute. You know, little kids and moms dads and more little kids and it it uh, was a good representation of the breed um anyway uh, well number one do you guys play any huey lewis in the news a I lot of huey lewis in the oh, news okay we probably have good, five good, or six I'm... songs yeah okay good because uh, i i think you got one you like I'll, I'll i'll tell you if we play it oh you know heart and soul uh i think we have uh, heart and soul yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the entire sports album I think is is great. Uh, the heart of rock and roll. Yeah, uh, we got that. Great. Yeah, that's that's uh, all quite good. But um, actually, the real reason I was calling was you know you you wanted some inputs on referendum on the election. Uh huh. Um, part part of me is thinking that uh, people are waking up and not just 
you know, the hypocrisy and lies of politicians, but maybe they're waking up and realizing that the media, you know, is number mainstream, uh, is number one biased, and number two, not telling people what they really want to know or need to know. Uh, the second thing, and this, this is sort of kind of on the heels of what I was thinking about with Mark Kelly last week. Um, Schlichter had a pretty interesting article about him uh, this morning that um, I guess he's short. I don't know. But I remember, and you probably do too, when Joe Biden was in Michigan uh, visiting with some union hard hat guys. And one of the hard hat guys asked Joe a question and Joe said, I don't work for you. You know, something like that should be on every, well, at least uh, on every Republican ad that has a Democrat, uh, you know, that they're trying to make a point of. And I can think of no finer example than Mark Kelly, you know, because all, all of the stuff on the TV commercials, which we talked about last week, uh, is untrue yeah. about the things he's done, about the things he's planned. Just remember, you know, what Joe Biden said, I don't work for you. And That's interesting. You get the feeling, yeah, you get the feeling that, uh, and it's not just Mark Kelly. I mean, you know, what, 94% of the time he voted along uh, Democrat, i.e. Biden party lines. Well, he's not working for us then, and there could probably be a ton of other He's working uh, for the guy that says he doesn't work for us. That's right. That's <laughs> okay. Exactly, All right. All right. Exactly right. I mean, I think I think that pretty much would encapsulate uh, almost every Democrat, senator, and congressman, uh, especially those who enrich themselves while in office. That that's really so, the elevator pitch on Mark Kelly and his independence. Uh-huh. When whenever whenever there's a there's a question as to whether. We can peel off a few Democrats, two Democrats, uh, whether it's about uh, any any, whether it's about the filibuster, whether it's about a budgetary issue, whether it's about any any piece of legislation. We think we might peel off a couple Democrats. It's it's always a question about Joe Manchin in West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema in Arizona. No one ever says, I wonder if we can get Mark Kelly. Yeah, no one ever says. Hmm. I wonder if Mark Kelly is is someone we can we can get to do the right thing here, or we can get to vote with the Republican. That, that's never part of the conversation. It's an Arizona no. senator. It's just Kirsten Cinema, and it's Joe Manchin. It's never Mark Kelly. No one thinks of him as someone who deviates from the party line ever. He's lockstep. Yeah. He's lockstep with it. Exactly, and I know that you know. There's been almost nothing in the last couple of years since he got elected where he'd even made the news unless somebody was, you know, following uh, the voting patterns and so forth. So again, all of a sudden he comes out with these, you know, folksy little, yeah, I support uh, the border and I support uh, this and that, but he really doesn't because if he did, you'd hear about it. You'd know about it more than two months before an election. More than two months before an election. Exactly right. Yeah. You'd know that, about it. I will let you go, and I, I hope you have a wonderful day. I, I, I just think it's so funny that um, that that he, he he's supposed to carry them, himself off as you know this uniformed military spaceman, and he talks about when Joe Biden's wrong, I called him out on it. Where? How? What headline ever? Show us the news article, and <laughs> would you call him? And I, I, I would like to see the the substance of what that con of of, of what that constitutes or constituted. I re- I really would. The other thing I've noticed: you get used to these little 
tropes. The Democrats are so desperate. You, you get used to the lines they think that work. You know, I've been saying that uh, Katie Hobbs is somewhere in um, in our in in our on the articulate scale between Joe Biden and John Fetterman. Um, so that's that's about where she is on the line there in between the two of them. And uh, she is still getting questions about not debating Carrie Lake. Something about the reporters don't 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 want to ask her too much about too many serious things, but they are willing to ask her about that, I guess, in a sense, because it might be a veiled affront to the media that they don't they don't get to moderate or participate in a debate. But she has now said I, I've seen her on two national shows try and shut the shut the questioning down. She says the debate about debates is over as far as I'm concerned. She thinks this is a very clever response. The debate about the debates is it's not a debate about the debates. First of all, it was never a debate about the debates. It was a question as to whether Katie Hobbs would show up to a debate. There was no debate about the debates. She proposed several different uh, several different alternatives to a debate. The Clean Elections Commission said no, no and no again. And that was it because she didn't want a debate. And I love this. As far as I'm concerned, this question is over. It's not over as long as reporters still have questions. You don't get you don't get to decide. It's not for you to say what Joe Biden relies on so often. Not a joke. Full stop. Period. Yeah. OK. It, no one thought it was funny anyway. No one was laughing. No one thought it was a joke. And um, full stop period is usually usually means and signals to me that there's another point of view or another set of facts that need to be brought to the fore. Okay, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. It's no secret that Joe Biden is the weakest president in modern history, and who knows who's really pulling his strings behind the scenes, but it is adding up to a lot of chaos, primarily in crime, but also in other social policy and certainly the economy, with inflation running rampant and America in a recession that he and his administration deny we're in. It's probably time uh, to think about how to adjust your investment strategy if it's all based in the stock market. And if so, think about gold and other precious metals. And if so, think about the only gold company I recommend, the Midas Gold Group, the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. While stocks and bonds are crashing down 20% since the beginning of the year, gold has held its value, protecting your investments, your savings, your wealth. So I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard those savings and investments. It's the only company Seb Gorka, I, and thousands of you already use. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or give them a call at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. They were one of our Lead sponsors for the event we did at the Battleground Talkers Tour uh, yesterday. Again, great event. It was good seeing so many of you. If you were there and have some additional thoughts or questions, um, feel free to give us a call. 602-508-0960. Love to hear from you. Love to hear any follow-ups you had from that event. Really just fantastic. Um, you're not going to hear me say this very often, and I'm going to say it with a little bit of a of a... Of a um, of a cautionary note. I'm going to temper how, how strongly I want to say this. But 
once in a while the Arizona Republic can get a story good, can do a story well. And um, the past two days, I would encourage you, uh, if you want to get an understanding of the fentanyl crisis in Arizona, the last two days they've they've done a big profile. I don't know if they plan to do something that they're trying to make a series into and maybe try and win some kind of Pulitzer for or not. But it's not off to a bad start, I have to tell you. It's not off to a bad start. Um, It's not the way I would have written it. I don't like the style exactly. It's not my preferred style, but it's no different than... I guess the new journalism, which is so biography-based. But if you take what you're reading in these stories and you do a little bit of your own ancillary research, as I did, you get an interesting picture of the fentanyl crisis in Arizona. Think about it this way. More people died of fentanyl in one year in Arizona than all deaths related to COVID under the age of 44 in nearly three years of COVID. That's how bad it is. More people died of fentanyl uh, in one year in Arizona, 2020, than all deaths related to COVID under the age of 44 in nearly three years of that. Think about that. What's the media and the government told you about fentanyl? They've told you an awful lot about COVID. An awful lot. They know how to message on COVID, don't they? Well, fentanyl is becoming such the greater risk, and to young people. To young adults and young people. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 